Welcome to The Kingdom is for Everyone. This is your host, Matthew Hester, and this is the place to discuss all things righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to take just a moment to thank our Hester Ministries monthly supporters. You help make this podcast a reality. And if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis, I would highly encourage you to either consider becoming a Hester Ministries monthly supporter or a podcast supporter for The Kingdom is for Everyone. Your support really makes a difference. Uh, you can find out more information on both of those venues through hesterministries.org or go to the homepage for this podcast at anchor.fm slash the kingdom for everyone. That's the number for the kingdom for everyone. We also encourage you while you're checking out the different options that are available, click on the message tab. If you've got a question, you're like, man, I'd really love for Matthew to cover this in one of those episodes. Well, then ask it, and we'd love to include it and feature it in an upcoming episode. Because here at The Kingdom is for Everyone, we want you and everyone else, we want you to be a part of this podcast, not just an audience. We want you to be a participant. So we're going to jump into episode 33 and continuing along a similar line of thought. Last week we talked about can the cross be beautiful? And I hope that that has challenged you and at the very least had you ask some fresh questions as we are quickly approaching, as we're recording this series, we're quickly approaching Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, I would just like to kind of build up to that, and we're going to continue kind of in this train of thought, re-examining some of how we see Scripture in light of the work of the cross, in light of the person of Jesus. And so for episode 33, we're going to ask this question, does the cross change Scripture? Does the cross change Scripture? And I would say specifically, particularly, Old Testament Scripture. There are some um, instances in the New, but predominantly in the Old is where we wrestle with these images of God that just uh, don't look like Jesus, quite frankly. Uh, Violent God, petulant, uh, at times even a bit schizophrenic. You know, at one one moment he is there to bless you and to bless your lineage, you know, for, for a thousand generations. And and then the next moment, uh, not so much. Um, you know, will uh, destroy you and, and open up the ground and swallow people whole, you know, over, um, you know, rebelling and just not returning uh, his love. Uh, so, yeah, we got to we gotta look at this some more. And, and I'm just going to give you this and up front. We cannot accomplish all of what I'm suggesting at in the next few minutes together. That's why we're going to build on this. And we can build on it. You know what's beautiful about this podcast is having a weekly uh, outlet, a weekly uh, pattern for us to kind of go at and work with. We can take our time and we can go through it. But also, like I said, ask questions. Send us your inquiries so that we can get a feel or in a sense for where you want to head because this podcast ultimately is also your podcast. That is why we do it. This is not just so I can sit around and listen to myself talk. I promise you that. But I want it to be a tool that is useful for you. So with that in mind, let's jump into episode 33, Does the Cross Change Scripture or How We View Scripture? Uh, Before we do that, quick 30-second sponsored break, and we'll be right back on the other side. Okay, we're back, and here we are at episode 33, Does the Cross Change Scripture? Or more specifically, does it change how we view Scripture? And then I would go a little more specific and say, especially in the Old Testament, there are some examples in the New, but much of what we wrestle with, and it's hard for us to flesh out, is in the Old Testament. So we're just going to see how does the cross, in you know, when we, when we read Scripture, 
how do we read it with a cross-informed faith? So are there places where we can discover and use the lens of the cross to help us understand problematic verses? And so that's what we're going to jump into. So when we look at the cross, like we did last week, we see it, the cross that is both beautiful and ugly, and it takes faith. We have to look beyond the surface. And so we, we do need to ask ourselves every step along the way, where else uh, do I need faith? And so if the cross reveals what God is truly like, which is self-sacrificial in nature, that's who he's always been, uh, that's, that it reveals what God's always been like. And, and in light of this, then we should have the courage to read Scripture wondering where else God might have revealed himself the way he did on the cross. You know, where else um, might we find God revealing himself? By bearing sin, right? Uh, because, you know, the the work of the cross was, I mean, God has been bearing sin for a long time. And so anytime that God bears sin, he takes on this ugly appearance. This It reflects the ugliness of sin, right? And so this is how... We need to approach these depictions of God, especially in the Old Testament, commanding and engaging in violence. You know, for example, when Yahweh is depicted as vowing to not let mercy or compassion stop him from smashing families together, Jeremiah 13, 14, that's that's pretty difficult. Well, then how about this? We could it be we're seeing a reflection of of the ugly and fallen way that Jeremiah and other ancient Israelites viewed God? So that's, I know that's a question to really think about. So in other words, Jeremiah's depiction of God demonstrates that God's people believed. At that time, they believed that God was capable of doing such a thing. They believed he was capable of smashing families together, uh, just as, hey, listen, the other groups around them, they believed the same thing about their gods, right? Our gods told us to kill you. Well, then that coincidence. Our gods told us to kill you too. Yet... You know, the very fact that God allowed like these fallen depictions like this to be incorporated into his God-breathed word, this reveals the humble, self-sacrificial, sin-bearing God who is fully revealed on the cross was not above stooping down to meet his people where they were where they were by bearing their sin. And so in these moments where someone's like, you know what, God, God's telling us to go and destroy all these people. And uh, that's not who God is. That's not what God said. They believed it, though. And so they act. <laughs> they act in accordance with what they believe God's capable of or what they think God's even commanded them to do. Right. And God allows it to be written in the story, you know, because he's working with people where they are. Right. And, and in doing so, bearing sin. Actually, it's it's another way that he's crucified. I mean, what was the crucifixion of many things? It was God being misrepresented. That's ultimately what got him to the cross. People believe things about him uh, that that weren't true. They they used false you know uh, false information, false accusations. Um, they misrepresented him, and then there we see Jesus on the cross. Uh, so so how about this? Here's just some verses. Let's let's help us out here. So Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17, David says, you, you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. 
So now I'm thinking of so many Old Testament examples. God wants a sacrifice. We're gonna. Not only does He want animal sacrifice, but He even received human sacrifice. Um, let's be honest. A lot of us on Easter, we're used to hearing sermons about Moloch, not about Jehovah, not about Yahweh, not about Elohim. Uh, so David's like, you know what? He doesn't. You don't even delight sacrifice. You you don't delight in it. You don't want it. If you did, I would bring it. But so this this is it, man. This is the heart of what God has always wanted: a broken spirit, a contrite heart. God God wants. God wants the, the motives of our hearts to be submitted to him, right? And then uh, Hosea 6, verse 6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Um, and so, uh, and then how about this? So this is so interesting. So a lot of our problematic uh, images of God, actually Samuel is responsible for several of them, but then you, you, you kind of rummage through the pages. You get to 1 Samuel 15, 21 and 22. The soldiers, it says, took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So it's interesting. We have these moments where it sounds like the will of God is he wants sacrifice. And then we hear this where he's like, Hey, does God want offerings and sacrifices above just obeying him? That's what he wants. And that obedience is not a blind obedience. It's relational. It's an intimate obedience, right? It's out of our love that we're compelled to do and to serve, not out of a desire for vengeance or judgment. Come on. And then Hebrews 10, verses 5 through 7, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. So the writer of Hebrews is basically saying, Listen, we, we missed it. He wasn't pleased with any of those offerings. So then if he's not pleased with them, is it fair to go back and, and for us to question, what well, did he ever ask for them? He didn't want them, right? There, there's a verse in Jeremiah, I don't have it in front of me, where he says that I never instructed your fathers in the wilderness concerning sacrifice. That is pretty definitive. That is such an amazing statement. And I don't hear nearly enough ministers talking about that. Right, because we're we're quick to teach a sacrificial lifestyle, and uh, now thankfully we've at least moved on. Well, most of us passed like actual sacrifice, like blood sacrifice. None of us, I, I believe, this past Sunday uh, went into worship with turtle doves and bulls and goats and sheep. If so, again, please uh, send us a message. We'd love to talk that out. <laughs> That'd be pretty wild. But now we talk about sacrifices of praise. We talk about uh, all kind of sac- sacrificial things. We bring it to God as a sacrifice, right? Uh, but uh, here it's just saying, you know what? God's not pleased with any of that. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to just be connected heart to heart. He wants to be intimate, right? That is what the Lord has always wanted. And so um, so when, when we look at that, it's interesting that we'll, we'll read the Old Testament, and just because it's in the Bible, we're like, well, we, we've got to just accept the interpretation of the people that wrote it. Well, why? Uh, So another, why do we have to? Because their revelation of God is progressing, 
Right, in the New Testament, we're told that when you go back and read the Old, there's a veil over the face of God, and to this day when you read it, come on, without looking through the person of Jesus, there's still a veil over the face of God. So how can you trust those writing it? And I'm talking about trusting their perspective. I'm not saying that the writers of the Old Testament were nefarious or had ill intent. They were understanding God where they were in the moment, just as we now, and hopefully further along, are understanding God where we are. Um, and and, and I've got news for you. You don't have the full understanding. Neither do I. So the New Testament teaches us to base all of our thinking about God on Jesus. In contrast to the way God spoke in the past, the author of Hebrews teaches Jesus is the one and only exact representation of God's being. That's in Hebrews 1.3. He is the one word of God. In John 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He's the one image of God. Colossians 1.15. Isn't that beautiful? And this is why Paul and the authors of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, refers to the law and other aspects of the Old Testament as shadows, while Christ alone is the reality. And so the bottom line, you know, you think about it, and, and there's so many layers to it. I get it. I'm sure there are plenty of questions here. The bottom line is that however we explain these violent portraits of God in the Old Testament, and even if we can't explain them, which there are times where this is going to be difficult, we cannot allow anything we find, particularly in the Old Old Testament, and then I would also say Old Covenant. Not everything in the Old Testament is Old Covenant. From Genesis 1 to Exodus 19, uh, there, there, there's that's actually not Old Covenant. So we see these amazing demonstrations of grace. We see these amazing panoramic pictures of grace and the day of the Lord and the heart of God. We also see them interjected throughout the Old Covenant, which I think is beautiful. We see it in the life of David, a king priest. Uh, We see it in a lot of the prophetic utterances of Isaiah. So it's there if you have eyes to see, right? You see these heart uh, representations of the nature of God. And so we don't allow what we find in the Old Testament to compromise or in any way qualify the revelation of God we have in Christ. So what am I saying? Okay, this I, maybe you're listening to this, you're like, I'm so bored now. This is, uh, where, what is the point you're trying to make? Uh, and, and do forgive me. There are times I nerd out, I get laborious in this. But uh, let me just say it here as plainly as I can. Jesus is not just a part of what God is like. The fullness of God's deity was in Christ. Jesus is not just part of the story. He is the sum total. He's the reason there's a story. Colossians 2.9. You know, and Jesus reveals a God who chooses to die on behalf of his enemies rather than to use force against them. Come on. I, and, you know, I, I actually was sharing this with my church uh, recently. I was like, you know, if, if I could tell a different story, I probably would. Because, you know, if I could tell a story where God does just want to wipe out people and just take care of business and take matters into his own hands when he gets offended. I probably would tell a story kind of like that because it would feed into my want and desire to do that to others. But unfortunately, or rather fortunately, we'll read scripture and we read it informed through the person of Jesus, informed through the work of the cross. It tells a much different story. The story is Turn the other cheek, love those that hate you, wash the feet of those that persecute you. Uh, And you know what? You preach like that long enough, and uh, yeah, is it any wonder everyone, they wanted to crucify Jesus? I mean, today, pastors are, are, are sat down and kicked out of churches over just the same message because it does not line up with what we desire. 
Uh, and so again, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you can't blame me on that one. That that's the kingdom of God. That's the message of the heart of God, that He loves His enemies. He forgives those that are crucifying Him while they're in the act. Wow, what an example to follow. What an example to follow. Okay, so I, th- I think we're going to finish up right here. Uh, and so I just want to close out with a couple of reminders. Uh, please go to HesterMinistries.org to find out more information about what we're doing for the sake of the gospel around the world. Also, go to PresentTruthAcademy.org if you'd like to find out more. Uh, much of what I share here in these little nuggets and tidbits, we go into amazing depth and we deep dive into that. So go there to our <coughs> our page and you know, go to the shop, find out what we have to offer, sign up, and we'd love to partner with you in your journey into truth. We also want to invite you to like this podcast, share it, and leave a five-star review. That will help us to grow our audience, and there is plenty of room to grow. Help us with that, please. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you at the end of this episode, like I do at the end of each episode, if the kingdom isn't for everyone, well, then it's not for anyone. God bless you. <laughs>